Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snow White. This is the ninth year of the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. My name's Rob Snow White, and this is the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival. In this episode, I'm going to interview Ellis from River Tactical Flies. I will interview Flies by Two Brothers, Element Shrub, Catch a Lure, Braden Miller, and Debbie Hansen. I want to give a big thank you to Taylor, my neighbor who helped me out at my booth. You can follow her on social media at Redfish. 22. That's the number 22. So without further ado, let's get down to Doswell, Virginia on a snowy, wintry mixed weekend. And let's see how the show goes. Good morning. It is the 12th of January, 2019. It's 7 in the morning. And I'm the only vendor right now at the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival. I got up early this morning at 0500 got in the car and made my way down here i think the dog was a little thrown off dr jones could not figure out why i was up so early knowing i don't get up that early unless it's for fishing the drive was pretty easy i stopped in fred vegas to fill up my tank gas is under two dollars a gallon once you leave fairfax county and i got a cup of coffee at wawa not a coffee person but i was pretty darn tired the rest of the drive down here in the dark, I get here and unload, and luckily there's a security guard let me in, because everything else is pretty much shut down at the moment. All the doors are locked. So I find my booth. I am next to Brad Buzzy on one side and Regal Vice on the other. Now I'm just wandering the floor. I like the layout. You've got some big booths here, Green Top, TFO, Patagonia, Mossy Creek, and... Then you've got vineyards that are also 
next to breweries that are mixed in with artists. It's very cool. So I'm going to go set up in a moment once I finish walking around. Taylor should be getting here within the hour. Help me set up. And the plan is just try and, and book trips, introduce my new patterns. I've got the new Hula Girl series, which is the love child of a Reaper fly and a Squidro. And I have them in bluegill and fire tiger, blacks, purples, pinks. I have them with and without ultra suede tails. So some pretty cool stuff I'm going to show off, try to sell some flies. I've got some fly tying material for sale as well. And I'm just looking to have a fantastic day. We're supposed to get some snow, not as much as predicted. Hopefully people still come out. The snow's not predicted till late afternoon. And my plan is just to sit around all day and tie flies and hang out. Hopefully Taylor does not get sick of my same jokes and anecdotes and stories because I'll be telling them all day long. Brad Buzzy's going to be upset. But I'm looking forward to sitting next to Brad Buzzy all day and talking fly time material. So we'll see how the rest of the day goes. I'm going to continue just walking around, shopping for some tie materials. If I find a, something I like that I can't get normally, and that's pretty much how this day's gonna go. We'll check in later with y'all. I've got my power air fryer oven. I've got gourmet onion rings. And I have some hot buffalo chicken fingers we're gonna be cooking up for lunch. So that's it for now. Maybe I can wash those down with a cobbler mountain cider. Uh, I'll check in with y'all later in the day, but first show of the year, I'm only doing two tying shows. The rest I'll be just hanging out at for the rest of the winter. We'll see who we can get on the podcast this weekend, and let's just have a good time with it because that's what we're here for. And I'm walking by Braden's booth right now. The kid's got better business cards than me, and he's 13. It's just unreal. And then we've got um, Dr. Hrodsky over here, and then Regal, oh, Bob Lundquist. And then there's me, Brad Buzzy, across from Badger Creek Fly Time and PHW Quantico. All right, we are at River Tactical Flies, and we are with... Ellis King. All right, where are you from? Uh, born and raised, southeastern Ohio. All right, where specifically? Uh, Galpless, Ohio, directly across the river from Point Pleasant, West Virginia. I don't, don't know that one either. So what are you guys uh, doing here this weekend? Uh, we're, we're attempting to push some of our uh, pretty unique patterns and little techniques, some advice, and just having a good time with some really good people. Right, let's start off with your flies. So tell me about these gargantuan, multicolored things hanging on your booth. Yeah, so those are musky flies, and that's kind of what, what started me in this business. Is Six years ago, if you got online and researched musky flies, you couldn't find an American-made production style musky fly that wasn't either insufficient or sending an email uh, an email to a guide that you knew so what i did is i bought the production level of a quality made in usa musky fly that just catches fish it's a pattern that we've been messing around with for six or eight years um, it's super simple super tough i've got a i've got one one customer that's got 12 toothy critters on a little four-aught um, musky fly, uh, pike and musky. I was about to ask about that hook. I see you even have guards on them so people like me don't puncture themselves. Yeah, I also have a disclaimer right there that if you do, you, that we're not responsible. I already, somebody had a needle sticking out of their boot this morning that was covered with uh, like a curtain or something and it broke off of my arm walking by it. 
Right there. Wasn't mine, was it? No. Yeah, I had a needle like in my arm they had to pull out today. They didn't have a disclaimer. So what are the materials? We got some holographic flashaboo, some kind of plastic Thanks. mask. Yeah, so the so the flash is locally sourced in Parkersburg, West Virginia. Um, that's Krinic, Krinic, if you will. So I buy it in bulk from them. Um, they they're trying to trying to focus some of their marketing directly to the fly tying industry. Uh, and they're doing a decent job out of it, but I've been using them for six or seven years. Um, it's mostly synthetic tail. The, the main part of the design of, of the musky flies is not to hold a lot of water. It will allow the C-plus caster to physically push a fly that's worthy of catching a musky. It's got big shoulders on it. Right. So it moves a lot of water. Uh, we sell a lot of these up north to the... To, Hayward Fly Fishing is one of our biggest fly shops. Um, That's the Halloween one. So yeah, this is this one's uh, called a fire crotch. They're all named after strippers of some sort. Just it because so, it sounds like Mike Isabella's restaurant. Man, I mean, if if you're gonna throw a bunch of flashy junk on a big nasty hook, you got to give it something with some pop. So most of them, I mean, there's there's all kinds of names, and a lot of them I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about, but. Um, they've all got a special story and a special name to them. Um, but, but anyway, like I, I sell a lot of flies to shops that have clients that are, are D plus C minus casters. And the, and the name of this game, if you want to put a muskie on a fly, is you got to keep it in the water. And these look like they're going to shed water that you're not throwing a wet sock all day. Right. hundred percent. And that, that, that is in my mind, what makes our flies a little special. Okay. And that, that goes directly into design. Now, you also, you're looking there at some custom shop flies. My brother, he's a featured tire. He's tying right now. Um, dude, he's an artist, and, and I'm the production guy. I'm trying, to, I'm, trying to put, I'm trying to put a quality fly out to the masses, and he's trying to, he's trying to put a hand-inlaid musky fly that every little bit of flash, every little bit of bucktail has been meticulously placed for a reason. And no extra stuff that's not needed. You, just what you need and enough of it to get the job done. That's right. So one of River Tactical Flies is first, all of what you need, none of what you don't. And so none of the BS, you know, pretty flies catch fly fishermen. They also catch fish. So we don't, I don't push anything. None of what you see in our booth, I, you know, I'm a certified loon dealer. I don't sell anything that I haven't physically tested on the water or at the bench. What size rod do you need to throw those hogs? Uh, uh, and that he's got a double hooked monstrosity. What's the yeah. name of that one? Can we say that one? That one's not even a name. That's just come. That's a custom fly shop. Okay. Um, we'll we'll call that uh, <clears throat> Medusa's bad bathroom experience. I, it's it's hard to tell. You. Can, so this one uh, we got a chartreuse and white. This is jade. Hook. On an eight-aught hook. What was what was her specialty? Man, she could dance. There's a, there's a lot of dancing to it. So <laughs> you're, you're gonna. She was good at meeting you in the corner. So you're gonna need nine to nine to a twelve weight. Um, for the eight-aught for the bigger flies, with the two hundred and fifty to four hundred grain sink tip line, because just as they won't hold water, they also won't sink. So you got to push them down. And. Are these supposed to look like river chubs, or are they just 
something to attract a top predator that eats things that move in front of it. So there's a shock factor, but I mean, definitely you got to match the foliage that the fish are eating. My my experience with muskie on the fly is you got to get their attention. You got to shake them out from underneath the log, but whatever the, whatever they're, they're apex predators. So for the most part, they're they're stuck to structure, and they're sitting there waiting for their next meal. And you got to give them something. You got to push enough water, and you got to provide them something visual once you push the water. And I've I've witnessed that. They gotta see it, they gotta want it, and then you gotta seal the deal. What's the like the density of muskies up where you guys are? So southeastern Ohio is is chocked full of native streamborn muskie. I'll say it's half of what it is in the, the Wisconsin, Minnesota lakes and tribs. It's you know, I, my best float I've seen. 17 or 20 fish and like a five mile float um, the population is relatively dense in certain areas uh, I don't know that we're a residential like hot spot um, we're not the new or the James we're fishing a lot of small tribs um, you could I mean, jump across a lot of I'm them looking at it. right behind you it's like a rod width and you've got a muskie that's probably like, like well yeah, like this so, one. This one right here, you can just peel these off. Oh, that's one I will. We named him. Yeah, so that We've fish, him three fish. That fish three. is is one third the width of this river. That's twenty five miles from the Ohio River. And that I'm going to say was caught in about third week of April. Yeah, it's early. Based on the violets. Yep. It looks like you got a big flood that came through there too. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So that's uh, that's that's a resident fish. I've caught him on video. Um, and he, he looks like a barracuda. Other man, they're great. That's that's a 34 inch fish. Jeez, is that you? That's my brother. Okay, the one with the facial hair. Oh yeah, he's got epic, epic facial yeah. hair. Yeah. Right? Are you gifted with the the follicular growth as well as him? No, I got a lot of white trash going on, so right. I just keep it like to the, straight up to the front. Yeah, he's got a gifted mustache that he's growing up. Right, see, look, that's that's an old one, man. That's yeah. him. He's straight bald. So do you guys sell, is it mail order, just directly to stores? Anything uh, on the website, man. If you jump on there, uh, we're aimed to please. We I try to keep the website relatively up to, up to date. Uh, if you want some custom stuff, we do a lot of custom orders, especially customers that if you're going to go fish a particular drainage, especially out west, and you don't want to mess with going to a shop and dealing with them, shoot us an email. Between the six of us who tie flies and, and deal with it, I, we'll get you the right information. We're going to put you, if you tell us you're going to Montana in August at a particular drainage, we're going to put you in the best scenario if you were to, and you just give us $100. Say you want $100 worth of flies. You want $200 worth of flies. You want $500. We're going to, we're going to give Cater. you the, we're going to give you the best percentage wise of you hitting it right out there. Now, have you ever caught a non-musky species on these flies when you're targeting them? Like, just some sick smallmouth comes up. 100%. Kentucky spots and smallmouth are the most aggressive creek fish that we encounter. And you can get them and you can piss them off. And they'll come up and swipe a 12-inch fly. Now, the only, only catch is, is you gotta, they got to get their mouth around an 8-aught hook. Um, Levi, my brother... I, I, we went fishing for his birthday, which is it falls perfectly in that musky feed bag of the first couple weeks of October. 
And he put a 22-inch walleye in the net with a musky fly. I caught a six-inch walleye once in Colorado. Well, that's it. This one would have eaten that. Yeah. I mean, it was a big fly, too. So I, I really enjoy that. And as, as, as I get further into this whole industry, which is a terrible word, uh, I really just enjoy sitting in the back of the boat, running the boat, and letting people fish. What do you guys row? Or jet or what? Do you really want to know what I mean? The, I mean you could even take a boat down that. My no, canoe wouldn't even go down you're That's a that. creek. I have a 16 foot old town canoe with outriggers. Nice. Wait, is it the old, like, aluminum kind? No, no. It, it, it's, it's the composite that you All can right. back between two vehicles. But. It's uh, it's the SS Muskie Hunter. It's got it's got module um, foam outriggers that you can't tip it. Nice. There's a, I, our local forum up in DC. They're talking about how to make outriggers for their canoes. Let me know. I'll do. I could do a YouTube video for it. It's pretty okay. easy. Yeah, I'll send it's them fun. your way. Uh, so I, so for your if you guys want foam for your outriggers, go to Tractor Supply or Rural King. Those utility trailers, they pack them in foam. So they don't they don't beat each other to death. Okay. And you wrap them in plastic, however you want. Extruded aluminum, wood. I dig it. So are you guys finding that it's uh, a little slow with the weather today? Today's been a really good day, Ooh, and I, I really hope that tomorrow, I hope the snow holds off. Because I think after tomorrow around noon, we're going to be good. Okay. So if you guys can brave it, let them plow some stuff down and come see us tomorrow. Will do. All right, where can we find you? I followed you on... Instagram yesterday. Instagram is River Tactical Flies, so the, the little at, and then Facebook, River Tactical Flies. is pretty simple. And then jump on the website, rivertacticalflies.com, and let us know. Any shows coming up that listeners can find you all at? So we're going to do the Greater Cincinnati. That's a that's a really good show in Loveland. Get some Skyline Chili Water there? Of course. Yeah, man. You don't go to Cincinnati and not get Skyline. We're, we're, uh, we're planning on making that in the crock pot. There's some knockoff recipes online. Still not Skyline. I know. That stuff's good. So that's probably that. Those, these are the two shows that we really do and we really enjoy, strictly because of the people. Um, this is a good show. Uh, you know, it's a mid-range show. It's not the big ones, but it's got the big names here. So if you want to cast a high-end rod and you want to try to match a line to it, t- shows like this are the place. Cincinnati's kind of a home show for me. It's a couple hours. It's a one-day show. Um, other than that, uh, we do a lot of online sales. Is this kid with you? No. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. So two kids walked by my booth, and I looked at one. I'm like, I pointed. I'm like, I know you. And the kid stops and looks at me like, you go to Little Run Elementary? This kid goes to school with my daughter. Right on. You walk right by. Right Totally out of context. (laughs) But I'm telling you, so the musky flies, they're like puppies. There's a girl with cat ears and pink aviators on at the booth right now. Talking to Bronson Brown about fishing. He's doing an okay job. So we're going to do a podcast, I think just him and I sometime, about West Virginia. Fantastic. I don't really do West Virginia much. I used to run a lodge, and the locals burned it down. And if they had done it 14 hours later, I would have been in the lodge. So I'm a little hesitant. 
Where are you talking about? Uh, I used to run a lodge in Harper's Ferry. Oh, in Harper's Ferry, Locals yeah. burnt it to the gr- There's two chimneys left. Made the front page of the Washington I, Post. I remember when that happened. Yeah, yeah Shenandoah. terrible in the National Park right there. Yep. Yeah, Harper's Ferry. All right, so we're going to do a podcast on what? West Virginia? Uh, yeah, yeah. We're going to go down in the southern West Virginia, and we're going to... We're we'll, gonna try. Uh, we'll do that on your own episode. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, Bronson Brown, uh, River Tactical Flies. I'm gonna call you B squared. B squared. I dig it. All right, dude. Um, where can we find you before we do our podcast? Do you have your own social media? Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's uh, at Brown Chout C H O U T Brown Chout on Instagram. All right. Very cool. Thanks, guys, for the interview. Thank you. It was a rather slow day at the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival. And there's different reports about how much snow were expected, 12 inches, 4 inches, nobody really knows. So I think that kept a lot of people away from the show. They actually kicked us all out about 40 minutes before closing time. Nobody was there. When I walked outside, it was a heavy flurry. There was no accumulation. So there was a lot of downtime today. We just didn't have the crowds of people walking through that normally we would see. And I'm not sure what tomorrow's going to be like if there's snow and freezing rain predicted. Remember, this is central Virginia. And snow happens a lot, but people still freak out. Try going to northern Virginia and seeing what it's like when there's snow. If they forecast snow... They cancel everything. The government will shut down. Schools will be closed. Crazy. So we had some downtime. Got to walk around and hang out and talk to people. Lined up a couple of future podcasts. Was able to catch up with some old friends. People from the DC United days. Some new friends. A lot of Tidal Potomac fly riders stopped in. I was able to give Joe Wallen his bluegill hula girl. A lot of people like those flies. And we had a couple people come through, make some purchases. A couple of people were talking about booking trips in the spring and summer. And then these two boys walked by, and I was like, I know you guys from somewhere. And I pointed, I was like, I know you guys. And I said, Little Run Elementary School. And they looked at me, and they are like, huh? They're a new family that just moved to our neighborhood. And those boys... Go to school with my daughter. And I was just talking about them the other day, thinking they were twins, but they're not, with one of the teachers. So that was funny that I saw them, and then I got a chat with their dad and their uncle for a long time, and we're going to arrange some fishing in Northern Virginia. They just moved here from Massachusetts. Also met a formerly uh, enlisted military member. I think it was Coast Guard, and he's retired now, and he's starting a barbecue food truck in the Norfolk area. So be on the lookout for dad opening up a food truck. It sounds pretty darn good. That's about it. You know, waiting for some snow this evening. The crowd could have been bigger. And I want to say one of the highlights was making onion rings and spicy buffalo chicken fingers on the air fryer. That's a pretty convenient little thing. I'm definitely taking that on my next road trip. If it's for steelhead or whatever, plug that thing in. You can cook pretty much anything but soup. And I'm going to watch a movie, go to bed early. I've got no dog, no wife, no kid to wake me up, to bother me. 
get a good night's sleep and hopefully wake up to Winter Winterland. We know that there are people that traveled here and are staying at the local hotels. So they will probably still come by. That's a good thing. But I'm not sure about people from southern, western, eastern, and northern Virginia and southern Maryland that are going to want to make the trek tomorrow. I'm sure the roads are going to be clear, but it's just the mid-Atlantic. They don't handle snow too well. So let's see what happens in the morning and who we're going to interview. We have with us the 2018... 2019 fly tires, plural of the year. Uh, you want guys say hi? Hello, I'm Palmer Kesperowitz. And I'm Mason Kesperowitz. All right, we got Flies by Two Brothers. What's going on right now? Is your uh, show extremely busy? Yeah, we're pretty much at where we were last year. Even with the snow, we have some customers with deep pockets right now. It's going well. And some right. custom orders as well. Nice. All right, so once the homework's done, you're going to tie flies, or is it the other order? You, uh, do you I wish it was the other homework? order. But no, homework's been uh, pretty busy. All right, what, what kind of uh, custom orders? Actually, we had a uh, veteran who wanted, like, uh, I tie these campaign ribbon lapel right. pins. He wanted, like, eight of them for all the campaigns he's been in. So, kind of get started on that. Eight? That's a lot. Yes. Some of them were, I think, uh, uh, Iraqi Freedom, uh, Vietnam, Desert Storm. Those were a few of the ones he wanted. Is it nice not being near the doors this year? Definitely. Um, we're kind of nestled in the back with the nonprofits, so you know all of the air sort of uh, stays there. It's nice and warm. Seems a little bit slower, but not too much slower. Maybe it's just because the show this year, but yeah, I might take a nap behind my booth in a bit. Joe's walking by. Camo, don't drop that net in the woods. It's a catch cam net, man. Yeah, but you can lose it. It's camo. Ooh, it's musky. Okay. <laughs> The last time I saw a muskie up close was a long time ago. I wouldn't recognize that pattern. So what's next for you guys? Any other shows this winter? Uh, actually, we're doing four shows this year. We usually do three. Our new one is the Maryland fly fishing show. It's on the 16th of March? Yes. Yep. I, I, I think I will be traveling for that one. Yeah, we were concerned it would conflict with the fly tying marathon, but the fly tying marathon is going to be on the 30th. Okay. So, yeah, the Project Healing Waters fly tying marathon at Quantico. And then we're going to be uh, revamping the NVATU site, so we're going to take some of your guys' photos. Yes. Sure. That's uh, quite a noble effort. It's, yeah. I think it's time, though. I think it's time. And then can you guys help get some, some new blood in there? We've been trying. That's what our fishing club is, Health Lakes, is for. But right now we're just fly tying because all the lakes and rest and have toxic algae. Yeah. So. They might even freeze. Who knows? It's yes. been a while. I think they're already frozen. In uh, 94, I used to walk across the lake to go to people's houses because it was below freezing for two months straight. The ice storm here. Oh. That was... Nice. I don't think you can walk. You can't even swim in that lake anymore. Oh, no. Yeah, they need to do a little bit better management. Instead of just having them for visual, they need to actually maintain those lakes. Yeah. All right, where can we find you guys online besides NVATU? We have our own website, which is flyswatchybrothers.com. Then we also have Instagram and Facebook. So, and we're uh, currently in the process of redesigning our website. So we'll have uh, sort of more engaging, you know, more buttons, more flashy. So hopefully that'll be up soon. All right. Any new patterns, materials you guys are gonna be working with? Um, yes, actually, over winter break, I finalized my Popper Painter 9000. Um, I needed some sort of container device and station to use the Copic airbrush, 
And so I designed uh, some 3D printed parts in a Fusion 360 and made sort of a skewer system that I could rotate and paint popper heads at different angles. It's sort of like the rotisserie of my air fryer back there. Yes. yes the same concept. What's going on, John? Here's a podcast uh, regular. We got John McKinney. How you doing, sir? How's the show going? A little, qu- a little quiet today. Yeah, it's about as desolate as Montana. Yeah, pretty much. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're just sitting here interviewing. Do you know Flies by Two Brothers? I think I've seen them at uh, Orvis show before. Have you guys been to any Orvis events? We've gone to, we went to an Orvis 101 a little while ago and 201. We're going to be helping out there soon in the coming months. Cool, cool, good. Get them out to the guide rendezvous. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Come out to, to Missoula. Huh. Missoula in April. Yeah. Hopefully you can miss school. Spring break. It's a late spring break this year, too. Oh, yeah, six. It's like 16 to 20-something. Last year it was March. Yeah, yeah, it's really late this year. All right. Your wife holding down the booth? Is she no, in here? She's uh, she's working back at the hotel room. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for stopping by, guys. Yeah, I'll, just, I'll go talk to more people now. So what is a shrub the beverage? So uh, the word shrub comes from the Arabic word sharab, meaning beverage or to drink. So, uh, but historically, it was sort of this colonial way of preserving fruit using vinegar uh, before refrigeration. So farmers would take fruit, throw some vinegar on it, and it would sort of extend the shelf life through the winter without having to, you know, it, without having it go bad. Okay. Uh, and and, and uh, are you making these yourself? Yeah. So we're making them, and uh, so it's it's essentially so it's organic apple cider vinegar infused with fresh fruit, different herbs and spices. Uh, I, I guess in theory, a shrub is just sort of vinegar, fruit, and sugar. Uh, you can use any kind of vinegar to make a shrub. You can use any kind of fruit. You can technically use juice, and then you can use any kind of sort of sweetener. But traditionally, um, I mean, it was probably apple cider vinegar on sort of the East Coast, where you could get apples and ferment right. them. Um, and then it was probably fresh berries, so blackberries, raspberries, strawberries that were, were growing over here. We kind of pushed the boundaries a little bit with some of our flavor combinations. We have flavor with honeydew in it, with pineapple. Obviously, those are not fruits you would typically find, you know, in the colonies when, you know, this was happening. But um, but still trying to uh, kind of live up to that. Right, and there's Idea. health benefits to this. Yeah, so so organic apple cider vinegar is really good for sort of GI, for digestion, for uh, boosting energy levels, for kind of staving off hunger. Um, we just try to do it in a way that's a little more exciting, a little more delicious. Are there probiotics in this also? Uh, so it's it's more prebiotic than, than probiotic. Um, so... From, from the apple cider vinegar, but um, it's it's different. I'm, a lot of people kind of come up to my table and say, hey, is this kombucha? And uh, we make a sparkling, ready-to-drink version of our shrubs that tastes like kombucha, but it's actually a totally different product. Um, we just describe it as kind of a kombucha-like product because uh, a sparkling shrub is a relatively new kind of product on the market. There's only a handful of companies doing it in the world. So, Do you ever use these for making adult beverages? Yes, for sure. So um, they're great for cocktails because you get acidity from the vinegar and then sweetness from the fruit and the sugar. Uh, so it's kind of like putting lemon juice and simple syrup in a cocktail. Uh, 
but a little more complex, a little more interesting. My wife um, likes them with gin. Yes, so almost all of our shrubs go with gin. Um, and yeah, they, I mean, certainly add your, provide your sort of sour component, but um, also just add a, a little bit of interesting complexity that you don't get from just sort of juices and simple syrups. Um, Did this start off as like, just you were making this in the house and the neighbors were like, this is awesome? Yeah, so, so we actually started it um, My wife and I were living outside of Boston, and she had gotten involved in this group that forged fruit from people's backyards. Very cool. Um, and so we would go and knock on somebody's door and say, hey, you have a peach tree in your backyard. Can we pick all the peaches? And, and then we'd take the peaches and we'd preserve them, uh, either in the form of jams, jellies. We might make pie with them. We, might, we made hard apple cider with some crab apples that we found. That goes back to, apparently Jefferson was the only guy that ate fresh fruit instead of preserving it, and people thought he was some kind of weirdo. Interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> he would eat peaches where everyone else would preserve them. Funny, yeah. I mean, I, I, I assume back in, back in the day, like, preserving was sort of a natural thing that yeah. people were doing with a lot of things, right? Because without refrigeration, things go bad quickly, so... Um, maybe because of his status he had access to more fresh fruit mm -hmm. on a regular basis um, whereas others didn't. didn't and so to really like make sure they didn't die <laughs> from mold and things right. going bad um, are you guys yeah. making this at home or you got an offsite? so we have an offsite place where we do it so um, yeah and then uh yeah, and then and then we've got our, our sodas as well, which are kind of an exciting new product line for us. We started with the shrubs in their sort of traditional form, but um, the sodas are kind of a more convenient way to enjoy shrubs. Um, for us, a lot of people don't know what shrubs are and how to use them, and so um, we thought that by adding a little seltzer water to them would make them uh, a little easier for people to enjoy. Most people come up there like, oh, vinegar, like, let's... It's too strong. It's too intense. I don't know what to do with it. So you ever put these in like ice cream machine and made a yes? <laughs> we actually have. So we have a grapefruit vanilla flavor, and um, so the one thing you have to be concerned about with vinegar is sort of milk and curdling. So yes. dairy doesn't work well with it. But just but, by itself, though. Right. Like, so like we make frosé. Right. So we did uh, a couple things. So the grapefruit vanilla. Uh, does make goes really well with frosé uh, but we also did like a sorbet with it so no no milk just sort of uh, sugar water fresh rosemary and then and the shrub and uh, it was absolutely delicious nice um, but yeah I mean and you know we also add them to coffee um, to smoothies uh, and yeah they're, it's great it's a great way can... to get your apple cider vinegar in, in kind of a more a fun way than just kind of taking a shot in the morning. So, where can Northern Virginians find this stuff? So, in Northern Virginia, uh, we've just launched our sodas at uh, Fresh Market and Giant, uh, and then by the end of next week, we will uh, will be in Wegmans. Nice. Um, and then this, the concentrates you can find at William Sonoma in Mosaic District in Fairfax. Um, I'm so sad that Taylor Gourmet is gone from there. Yeah, I know. That was like my main <laughs> reason to go to Mosaic. It's a fun place. We have two kids under five, and so we love that spot because we can go and yeah. have dinner and let them run around Absolutely. and, like, still enjoy ourselves, and they have fun. So, um, yeah, so it's great. And then we sell to a bunch of distilleries in Northern Virginia and Virginia as well, so Catoctin Creek, KO in Manassas, A. Smith Bowman in Fredericksburg. 
a uh, couple in Richmond as well. So, Where can we find you on social media? Uh, at Element Shrub, so E-L-E-M-E-N-T-S-H-R-U-B. Uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. All right. I think I'm going to make a purchase for the wife. Awesome. So do you do mixes, or is it all like four packs? So the sodas are four packs, and then the concentrate are sort of individual. But, think, but we can mix and match. I think she would like that honeydew jalapeno. It's my favorite. Okay. It's, and, the, and the soda version is really kind of subtle on the jalapeno. Um, you get the sort of fruity flavor of the jalapeno, but it's it has sort of this clean, green, kind of crisp all right. Well, let's do it. Awesome. All right, cool. Thanks Thank for you, being man. on. Yeah, appreciate it. Right on. All right, we're at Dave's booth. Let's talk about your product, which I am a user of, and it's not uh, cracker meth, people. I'm clean. Hi, <laughs> Dave Olickson with Catch a Lure Fly Retriever. So how did you come up with this? If I can exp- – I'll try my explanation. It's a little device with a razor blade and a magnet. You put it on your rod tip if your fly's stuck in a tree. It cuts your tippet, and it catches your fly before it drops back in the water. And that way you don't have Christmas trees with lures and flies and birds getting caught and all the other stuff. Right. And you get your fly back. Yeah, it's, you know, it's an idea I had. Well, unfortunately, I'm now 51. It's an idea I had when I was 25. But, you know, I had to raise my kids before I could go chase this idea. But it always made sense to me. Uh, you know, I, was, uh, I loved the idea of fly fishing, but I was broke. And I would get my fly hung up at a tree, and I would, see, I would think, geez, there's my fly right in front of me. I can't get it back. And, uh, you know, I went home and built a little prototype and thought maybe one day I could go forward and uh, see if this would work, Uh, you know. But it took a lot of time and a lot of effort to come up with the design that's made today because the the big thing is I want to guarantee that when somebody reached up there with their fly rod, one, they wouldn't hurt their fly rod. Two is that it would cut the tippet as it said it would. And three, which is hold the fly next you know with that magnet fast until they decided to bring it back you know and is that a benefit i didn't realize how much mono and how many flies and wars were in trees so this is actually a nice way to reduce the impact of what we're doing as fly fishermen out there i'd say pretty much every angler needs one unless you're in like iceland or out in the middle of the ocean or above tree line. Right. If you're fishing near trees, you're going to hook one. You're going to. It doesn't, you know, it's, it's so funny. I mean, you know, you were, we were just talking about Lefty. You know, Lefty uh, said to me verbatim, he said, no, I don't get any flies caught in trees, but I know other people that do. <laughs> and, you know, and it seems to be the reaction, which is it happens to everyone, even if you're being careful, just a gust of wind or maybe, you know, you get a little glazed over after being on the river for a couple hours and then it happens, you know, and it's, it's a nice tool to have in your arsenal. I hate when I'm steelhead fishing and I re-rig the whole thing and I go out there my first cast, I maybe hit a rock, you know, tug back, it flies up in a tree. Right. Uh, and that's when I pulled it out of my box, my bag, and clipped it on my rod and I cut it. So I've had one of these for years and it works. It's in my guide bag. Yeah, you know, it's great. Was I had a had a gentleman reach out to me from the Trout Unlimited group up in Massachusetts. Uh, you know, I get these random emails every once in a while, and you know, I'm pretty avid from being on the web and email savvy, so I always like to keep an eye on you know what's going on out there. And he was telling me about a story about a, uh, a sparrow was actually uh, out on the river, and it mistook someone's abandoned fly for an insect. Well, and right, I mean that's the yeah. idea. It's a good tie if you think about it. And uh, he said that bird was actually spinning around in a circle, hooked on its beak. 
and he took the time to go out there and actually, you know, get that fly off. And, uh, you know, and then he said, hey, I really understand why your product is out there. And that's just an added benefit. Mm-hmm. I never thought of that when I was, when yeah. I was making the product. Uh, a side note, I once read an article, if you find a blue heron tangled up in mono, never approach it. Their first defense is to poke your eyes out, and it'll happen before you know it. Hmm. And that, that's their method of self-defense. I'm good, like, good to know. <laughs> yeah, so we can hopefully keep that from happening to somebody. Yeah, yeah. And you can pull other flies out that are up there and fill your box. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, this, I've got some great ones. I mean, right over here, you know, I've got a cluster of spinners, and and uh, one guy left a, uh, a braided nylon extravaganza up in a tree branch. And, uh, you know, I thought, hey, I'm going to give it a shot. So this does cut braided. Uh, it's a little aggressive. I, I don't recommend it, but it does cut it, and I pulled all of that braided line out. Uh, in this tangled mess that he left with a spin spin fishing rod up there. So, At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, Log on, and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting for me when, when I go fishing now, and I had, I had one gentleman who bought a product, and he said, Dave, he said, I can't take it anymore. Now when I go fishing, I don't just look down, I look up. And that's great, right? You know, he's, he's doing his part. He's uh, enjoying the river a little better. I know I am, too, because it doesn't matter where you go. There are flies and lures left everywhere in the trees. It's actually an epidemic. Yeah. Uh, George Daniel had an article a year or so ago about no, it. No fly left behind. Yeah. Right. Right. Another cool thing about your product, you know, someone walked by me with a camo net earlier. He claims it was musky print. A lot of stuff now, you put it down, you're going to lose it. Mm-hmm. Yours is chartreuse. You, you're going to see that anywhere if you drop it or if you can't find it in your bag or wherever. Yeah, it's and it's by design, uh, you know, because it, so uh, Tightline Productions, Tim Flagler did, mm-hmm. did our video. And when Tim saw the product, he's like, I got to do a video. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And that was one of the benefits that that he saw right away, which is, hey, if I drop it in the water, is it going to float away or is it going to sink? And I said, it's going to sink. And he said, perfect. Because that's the whole idea, is that you can see it. You can see what's up in the trees. You can see it if it happens to be in the water. Uh, you know, it's, it's it, you know, we really, it was a very big thought process to make sure it could fit the 2 weights to 10-weight rods, right? To Also to make sure it wasn't too heavy and it didn't overweight the rod. Again, that it was functional, that we talked about earlier. The color, you can see it. And I have to tell you, I mean, I know I invented the product. But I'm also a user as well, and when I'm out and when I'm out fly fishing, I mean, eventually you do get your fly caught in a tree. And I pull this thing out of my vest and I reach up and, you know, I pick the fly off. I pull the mono back out of the tree, the rig back out of the tree, and I think to myself, did I really make this? This is, you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. So my first initial hesitation was clipping it on my rod that I was going to damn it because I'm a clumsy guy. Mm-hmm. I was going to break my rod tip. Right. And you built it so. I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, it's it's something that's come up before. I mean, you know, some guys are like, oh, it's going to break my tip top or, or rod blank. It is not. It is not. If you use it as intended, which is, you know, when, when you see the catch lure go on to the fly rod itself, it does not it does not preload the rod any. It just uses the most subtle pressure just to, to keep that product engaged until you decide to take it off. Uh, if you're going to pull down a tree branch or you're going to abuse it, 
It's like anything, right? I, can I mean, see my, every time I pull the tree branch, I get the hook in me. Right. It's, right. It just flings right into my thumb. Right. Absolutely. So you know, this made sense, and you know, and, and again, going back to it, someone said, "Cut the tippet." Why didn't I think of that? Cut the tippet. It's a simple concept. I don't know why it was overlooked. I honestly thought when I thought of the idea that late year, years would go by, somebody else would have picked it no. up, and no one picked it up. We're and talking I, about the old Orvis grappling hook they used to sell. Yeah, right. Throw that in a tree and pull the branch down. Right. You know, and, and so what's interesting is that the, the tree concept works, right, with the grappling hook, but the tree branch is actually a fulcrum, which means it can only bend so far in a semicircle. This, you're actually having the sheer linear reach of your of your entire body, right? Your arm going up along with the, the fly rod. You would be amazed at the amount of footage that you can cover just to go ahead and get that fly back. It's great. Where can listeners purchase these? Uh, they can purchase these online at, uh, at uh, catchalure.com. Available on Amazon, of course. Uh, some premium fly shops are carrying them. And, of course, if any fly shops or any other folks out there that are interested... Uh, would love to hear from them. And also in the United Kingdom, uh, Fly Fishing and Fly Time magazine did a really nice write-up on the product. Nice. And, uh, and we have a distributor out there as well called so Scotty Products. Will they be at the London Fair? They probably will be at the London Fair. Okay. You're going to be at the London Fair? So. I am. All right. We just announced it. Oh, geez. I'll be, I'm going to be doing this. I'm podcasting there. Fantastic. Not, not selling flies. They're not even going to know what my flies are over there. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah. Yes, they are. Fantastic. All right. Well, um, other than the precipitation... How's the show been? Show's been fantastic. I, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta hand it to the people in Virginia. Even with the snowfall, they are, they are coming in, and uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're definitely fly fishing savvy. That's for darn sure. Yeah, I wish I brought my daughter's razor scooter in here for today. I'm <laughs> making tracks. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Have you started drinking any shrub next door? Uh, actually, yeah, I did. I had a blonde yesterday. Yeah, yeah. my wife, I got a whole gift bag. Not my thing. But other people. My daughter loves that stuff, too. Does she really? Seven-year-old. Who knew? <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, and have a good show. Yeah, appreciate it, Rob. Thanks for stopping by. All right. We're with Braden while he's tying. Last year, you were just like a sixth grader walking around here with some flies. Yep. You've had quite the year. Let's talk about your first muskie on the fly. How did that happen? So I met Blaine at uh, Lancaster. And I was, whilst we were walking around, and I walked up to the TFO booth again, we made plans to go smallmouth fishing on the new. So, of course, last year, everything was destroyed, floods, rain was terrible, and it got canceled three times, rescheduled three times, and then nothing happened. So we made plans to go muskie fishing. Of course, no... I didn't. I didn't turn that down. That wasn't too bad of a reschedule. And what uh, time did y'all get up for that? Five o'clock. Four o'clock. It's not bad. Four thirty. Five. And then y'all drove down to what river? The uh, can't even say. Nope. Yeah. It's it's uh, somewhere around here. And it's in Virginia. All right. What what uh, rig were you throwing? Like what rod? It was the Esox eleven weight with a eleven inch. To a 12 inch black hybrid game changer. Is it hard to throw? Nope. No, not with the so rod. With his, not with your skill. With his, <laughs> with his hybrid game changer, uh, it's got the uh, 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 bait fish flash blend under the polar fiber. 
So when you go to recast, you hold your line like you're going to do a spade cast, but you hold it still, and you smack the fly in the mid in midair, and you can watch all the water in that fly pop out, and it's just completely dry, weighs nothing, casts like a dream. It's Fantastic. So he knew where these fish are going to be. Yep. Did he, like, drop anchor or hold water? Yep, dropped anchor and just sat there until I made my cast. And How many casts did you make or how many spots before you saw a fish? So it took one spot to see a fish, well, actually to hook up on a fish, and it was probably 30 minutes into the drift. Pulled up to the first spot. First, he's like, there's, like, five fish right here. I'm like, oh, okay. So I make one cast and I get a nudge and then I set the hook but I raised the rod tip he All saw right. the flash and then uh, I'm like was that a fish he's like it was like a 42 inch muskie so that was how big are you um five foot five foot one okay so yeah. just about the same you're, so you're the size of Lady Gaga yeah, I she's guess. got that five foot two uh I documentary guess. documentary what that's on Netflix what are you watching on Netflix? Uh, last night was like Hot Tub Time Machine. That movie's <laughs> funny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right, so how long did it take to land this fish? What, what is the process that Blake so, does once he hooks it? How's the client hook a fish? So we moved down more spots. I got, I hooked up on one, had it up to the boat. It got off, so we moved down to the next spot. We're casting the deep spot, and then I hook up. Before I hooked up on this fish, I had... Um, hooked up on a log that was just drifting down because the water was just a little bit high and pulled it up it was a log so we said okay let's hope this ha doesn't happen again so we don't lose the fly i recast in the same spot same place same everything happens same retrieves same line same fly except this time it was dead weight i went to go strip the fly again but the line slipped out of my fingertips I grabbed the line as hard as I could. I started stripping hard as I could, and then I felt it just load up a little bit. And then I just raised the rod tip a little bit, and it just sat there because I didn't know if it had the log. I said, I might have a fish, and then it did move for a little bit. Blaine looks like, sure, it isn't a log. And then I just saw that rod tip start popping up and down, and then the line started swimming down to the crate, and it was a giant muskie. It was huge. So we fought that fish for... I don't know how long, it was like slow motion going on. It was, I didn't know what was happening. All I knew was keep the line up from under my feet. Don't get it caught on anything. Keep the fish right there. Don't let it go into the rocks and everything. And uh, he got the cradle. I had the fish right up next to the boat. It was just meandering along the boat for a little bit. And then it got crazy. It started, it jumped once right at the boat. My mom got an awesome picture of it. And uh, got in the cradle right after and held it there on the side of the boat while we made it over to shore. It was... Life-changing for you. Yeah, fish of a lifetime. Damn. And then uh, when I put on my waders and Blaine put on the waders to hop in, get pictures and all, my mom held the cradle and Blaine told my mom, muskies are like alligators, so conserve their energy, energy and start going wild and she's like you better hurry up i'm not going to be responsible for losing this fish so we got in got the fish out got a couple pictures everything close-ups and then when we released the fish with the video 
we opened up the cradle and there was a tooth stuck in the in the cradle. So I got a tooth at the house. How about that? You can make a necklace, Crocodile Dundee? We <laughs> call know. you Musky Dundee. Musky Dundee. Yeah. I don't know. Right, so what are you tying up this weekend? So I've tied up some Texas rigged worms. I've got musky thighs, T-bones. I've got foxy changers, game changers, feather game changers, and polar, uh, polar express game changers, uh, finesse game changers, plowsers, uh, dungeons, new fly that I came up with that uh, not a lot Which of people one? know about. That's the one that Taylor wants to throw for tarpon in Florida. Yeah. And there's that one. And then and you smaller got some, version. And then some a big funky version. eyes on there. What do you what materials are you excited about these days? Bucktail. This is still usable. Yep. Alright. I'm looking at this garbage. There, yeah, I can tie flies with what's in there. Look at all that dubbing we can make. Ah. Alright. Mainly uh bucktail and hen saddles, but uh also schlopping. I've been doing a lot more with that. You uh, you planning on throwing some of these for some more toothy critters? Hopefully. All right. The closest but, thing that I got to musky near me, which I can ride my bike to a pond that has a creek that nobody knows about, and it's uh it's got pickerel in it, big pickerel too. So you don't have to ride changer. your bike, man. You got a chauffeur now. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I guess. To take you to fishing spots. Uh huh. So after you hooked up musky and released it, was that it for fishing, or did you guys keep going? Or just like drift we down. would, we were thinking about going again. We asked my mom. My mom wanted to fish, so Blaine brought conventional rod for her. So she's like, I don't know, I don't know. It's kind of cold. I'm cold. You know, there's, there's not too many moms out there that'll sit in a drift boat yeah. on a cold day oh, for yeah. their kid. For a muskie. Yeah, man. So Mother's Day, you get her like flowers and like pedicure, get certificates. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right, where can we find you online to follow your burgeoning fly fishing career you can uh on instagram flyfisher906 and braden miller on facebook and soon i will hopefully be having a youtube channel out fly tying flies and fly fishing right on what shows are we going to see you at the rest of this uh season uh edison tie fest and uh just about all of them texas texas show you want to texas yep right on very cool yes sir all right braden Thanks for hanging out. It's always good to find out what's going on with you. All right, dude. Cheers. See ya. All right, we're joined with Debbie Hansen. It's a little different weather than last time I saw you. It is. Yeah, which wasn't out here. Right. We were in D.C. A little yeah. bit further north, yeah. which apparently I'm getting quite the snowstorm when I get home. Yeah, you better be safe driving back. Yeah, well, luckily I've got a next Terra now. Well, I would go. never have taken my Miata out in this. So how's your uh, first Virginia show? I'm, I'm digging it. It's Yeah, yesterday was a, a great day. I think today a few people were a little concerned about the, the weather, but that's all right. It just gave us more of an opportunity to talk one-on-one -on -one a little bit more extensively with folks. So that's a good thing, too. It's a little more intimate today. Yeah. People, I, the guy next to me never showed up, so I just took his chairs. And people are just sitting and hanging out and talking. Playing with flies. Yep. Well, hey, that's that's not a bad thing either. Yeah. <laughs> so when was the last time you got to experience winter weather? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, 
It was actually not oh, two years ago. Two years ago, okay. I had to go up to Chicago for a family event, so it was definitely brisk. I went up there in February. Ooh, that's got to be cold. Yeah, Chicago in February is chilly. You bet. So uh, you got your own model rod. Yes, Riley. we have we have the signature series, which consists of the Debbie Hansen True Seven and the Joe Mahler signature series. So we've got some colorful rods that are fantastic for the fishing opportunities that we have in Florida or pretty much anywhere. So we've got the uh, yeah, Joe's got his um, his lily pad and then his cypress. And then I've got the Debbie Hansen True 7, which is like an aqua-colored rod. Now, did anything you got to put into that is your rod? Or did you design how if you had a rod made for you, this would be it? Yeah, Chris and I collaborated on the components. And, you know, the one thing that I think is key to getting out on the water more frequently is just, you know, ease and versatility. So for me... I wanted something that could easily be taken from, you know, the backyard casting for big, chunky, largemouth bass to fishing on the flats for spotted sea trout and, you know, slot-sized redfish. So this rod will do both. It's got salt-ready hardware. It's a medium-fast progressive taper. It's uh, got the floor-grade cork grip. So it's it's really high-quality, an affordable price point, and super versatile. What's the MSRP on your rod? Two eighty nine ninety nine. That's fantastic. Yeah, right? Absolutely. And if you use code DH57, you get 10% off. Ooh. So there you go. Awesome. Gift from me to you. Yeah, any other for shows? For your podcast listeners. Any other shows you'll be doing? Um, I am doing, not specifically pertaining to fly fishing, but I am doing the Saltwater Sportsman Seminar Series with George Poveromo this year. So I will be going to Tampa. I will be going to Port St. Lucie. So Tampa next month in February, Port St. Lucie in March, and then doing some of the local fishing clubs in southwest Florida. Um, But no, no other, aside from George's seminar series and coming up here, nothing else on a national level potentially the um the texas brew and fly fishing festival right. that is also put on by the same folks that organize the virginia fly fishing and wine festival so i may be doing that in the future but uh that's it how's the water doing these days down there is it still pretty gross um you know rob i gotta say we are very very optimistic and positive about DeSantis getting coming into office because he has actually over the past week made some really impressive steps to really take you know make significant change. In fact, um, he is calling for the resignation of all on the board of the South Florida Water Man- Management District, which is a very big step, and um, so that's a positive sign. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's, he, you know, he really wants to make a concentrated effort to ensure that our waterways get cleaned up. He understands the significance of having clean water, you know, throughout our state as far as tourism dollars coming into the state. And um, so we're very happy to hear about the changes that he's proposing and, and some of the, you know, actions that he's taking early on in his term. Good. Yeah. Amen. So we're all dealing with floods and gross water up here and cold, but you you can go fishing as soon as you get back home. It's going to be beautiful days probably. 
Yeah, I mean, it got it was a little too late right before we left to like the temps dipped down into the 40s at night right before we left to come up here. But I mean, still, you know, our daytime temperatures, our highs are averaging, you know, yeah, in the 70s. So I need to, it is nice. I need yeah, to go to Florida more often. Yeah, and you always go to Ohio. You need to go to Ohio, Florida. Ohio, yeah, you need to go to Ohio. You need to, no, you need to skip Ohio and go to Florida. That's right. Yeah. Doctor's because orders. Right now, too, you know, our um, our Florida strain largemouth bass are getting ready to, you know, head up on the beds and to get some nice big bass on fly. It's prime time, so people need to plan their trips. Obviously, I'm still doing the guide thing, so that's going really well, and people can always give me a shout. I'd be more than happy to take them out. And, um, yeah, so soaking up the sunshine down right in on. Florida. Yep. Beautiful weather. Great fishing, both saltwater and freshwater. We've been seeing a lot of, um, a lot of redfish this year in Estero Bay and Pine Island Sound where we do some saltwater fishing, my husband and I. So that's really encouraging. A lot of fish in that, like you know, 16, 17 to maybe 26 inch range. So that's good. Those are always a blast to pursue on fly or on artificials. And then um, lots of sheep's head. In fact, I just got my first sheep's head on fly a couple months ago. So that was exciting. Just using a a crab pattern. Drew Chacon's contraband crab pattern. So He's in your area. He's Fort Myers. He is. Yeah, he's in Fort Myers. We were chatting the other day on Instagram. Were you? Yeah. Yep. All the fellow fly tires. Yep. We were following up on uh, numbers from his interview that we did. Nice. Yeah. So how long ago was that, that you did your interview with him? Spring or summer, maybe? Yeah. Last year? I can't remember. Life's turning into a blur. I It's my kid first and then everything else second, so I forget. Well, you got to keep your priorities where they should be. Yeah, there's going to be no school tomorrow. So there's going to be a house. Everyone's going to drop their kids off with me. Everyone's going to go to work. (laughs) That's not furloughed. Mr. Mom. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm going to have to cook 10 pounds of tots in my air fryer tomorrow. (laughs) Fantastic. All right. Yeah. uh, She fishes, too, on social media. Absolutely. And shefishes2.com, my website and blog for all things pertaining to fishing. And those ladies that want to learn more about all different types of fishing techniques and the fly yeah, gear to use go. to catch largemouth on fly, stop on by. Dig it. And then we're going to get Joe on. Yeah. All right. Nice. Fantastic. All right. All right. Thanks for the time. You bet. Thank well, that's it for the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival. I think Bo somehow angered Mother Nature years ago. We've had... Torrential rainstorms, tornado warnings, massive windstorms, and now freezing rain, sleet, and snow on the predicted days. I want to thank everyone that came out Saturday. It was a much busier day than I expected. Could have been busier. I want to thank all the podcast listeners that not only stopped at my booth, but stopped at the Mayfly Project as well. They even picked up a volunteer to start mentoring foster kids here in Virginia. Saturday, again, definitely busier. It's sometimes two to three groups deep at my booth. I want to thank anybody that purchased flies and all those who are planning on booking trips with me in the spring and summer. We're going to do some shad and snakehead fishing. The reception to my new patterns 
was fantastic. A lot of people liked the Hula Girls. And I want to thank Taylor for taking the time out on Saturday for helping me out. Now, Sunday, the weather up in Northern Virginia was pretty bad, so we didn't really get a crowd from there. It was rather quiet. I'd wish Bo had rang a bell anytime somebody came through the front doors. The people that came were the ones that mostly signed up and paid for classes and those that were staying in hotels. It was fairly quiet. Sunday was a lot of synergy between vendors. We did a lot of chatting, didn't get to do too much podcasting, but I spoke to people and we're going to do some interviews down the line over Skype. They closed the show a bit early to get everyone out of there, which was nice so I could leave while it was still daylight. Took me a couple minutes to pack up, get my things in the car, and headed up. I didn't see a single plow for the first about hour and a half. It was mostly raining. There was one accident where a small car went down an embankment and then up a hill, and they were stuck at about a 45-degree angle with a bike on the roof and a surfboard. It's rather strange to see that. And then it started snowing once I got up around Fairfax County. People were just driving 40 miles an hour on wet roads. It was, it was a little stressful. I get onto the Beltway at about 5.55. The wife needs groceries, so I pull into Lote, which is right at the intersection of Braddock and 495. And that's when I notice the roads are pretty damn bad. Pretty much one lane open on Braddock. It's four to five lanes across. I pull into the shopping center parking lot, which was not plowed. Absolutely beautiful how the snowflakes were just coming down and lit up by all the floodlights in the parking lot. It was a true winter wonderland. I didn't notice that the store was going to close. There was no signage. And I walk in and I'm like, I can't find the broccoli. My wife wanted broccoli to air fry or roast or something. I look around and all the produce is covered up and there's curtains around everything. And I asked the guy for broccoli and he points. And I said, why is everything covered up? And he says, we're closed. I was like, you're closed, but your door's open. I came in. He's like, hurry up. So I had about a minute to run around. It was almost like a grocery shopping game show. I had my basket and I had to run straight to the frozen food section. They don't have tater tots at the Korean grocer. But I managed to get some chicken goyoza, which deep fry or air fry, I should say, really well. I picked up a bunch of samosas, some tikka masala nuggets, some other really cool frozen Indian stuff. And then I ran and grabbed a giant 15-pound bag of jasmine rice, and I got the wrong kind. It's the sweet rice for making desserts. I didn't know that. I was in a hurry. They were closing up the register as I was about to get there. So they had to reopen, start things. They kicked me out. I get back out on the road, and... I'm not going to say it was white knuckle, but it was pretty darn bad. There were maybe three cars that I could see in the four-mile stretch of the entire road. And I had some music playing, and I was driving slow, just watching the snowflakes. I was indoor all day, so I didn't get to see any kind of precipitation. This was the only part of the snowstorm I got to enjoy was driving home. I make a right up onto Guinea which is one lane in each direction and super curvy and windy and hilly. And I'm driving super slow just to enjoy the moment. It's not plowed or it hadn't been plowed in hours. And I'm just driving that Xterra with the music playing, watching the snow, got my high beams on, winter wonderland, pull into Rutherford, and there's actually plows going through Rutherford. It was the clearest part 
of my commute since I got off the beltway. Got the car into the driveway, took out anything that I didn't want to freeze overnight, and then I realized that I had ran through Lote so fast I didn't even grab a six-pack of beer for the storm. What is a snowstorm if you can't enjoy an adult beverage when you're looking out? want to thank my former Marine neighbors, Don and Dave, with the industrial snow plows. They not only cleaned my entire sidewalk, they plowed my entire driveway so my wife could get in and out. Now, the show was fun. I wish it was nicer weather and I could have interacted more, but I've got people booked for podcast interviews. I've got people booked for Shad and Snakehead trips. We're going to fish with a couple other groups to try and put our collective knowledge of Snakehead together. And Grant and I are going to try and get a Snakehead on top water on the Occoquan this spring. We got some more podcasts lined up down the road. I will not be tying or being at a booth at Edison. So if you see me, stop. If you got a cool story to tell, let's get it on the podcast. Otherwise, I'm going to be interviewing people at the Edison slash former Somerset show. So thank you to anybody who stopped by. I still have loads of flies for sale. So if you want to purchase the Hula Girls or anything else, shoot me an email. And let's just hope we don't get a big snowstorm in the next couple of weeks so we can get all to the next shows. That's it. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. This podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. Six, eight, Western. Oh, I'm ill there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.